You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the Jets Nation Podcast, we're going to look at the last few games. We have real meaningful hockey to discuss, so that's exciting. We're going to take a look at some of the studs and duds, who's really stood out and who hasn't over the first four games. And then we're going to take a look moving forward. What should the Winnipeg Jets do with their present roster? How can they maximize their potential? All of that and more on today's show. Okay, for segment number one, Kyle, I'm excited. We actually have real hockey to talk about. It feels like it's been so long, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely it was a long summer, uh, especially being out in the first round. It, it's a definitely, it's been a long time, but it's great to see everybody back on the ice again. So the preseason is done. Real hockey has started. The Jets have played four games since our last podcast. They fell to the Rangers 6-4. to four. They came back to beat the Devils 5-4 in a shootout. They beat, or they lost to the Islanders 4-1 on Sunday. And then last night, they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-1. First time they'd done that in, I think, over a decade Last I I heard the stat last night. They used it during the broadcast that the last time the Jets Atlanta franchise won in Pittsburgh, Vili Hanala was five years old. Yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, I think it was um, 14 or whatever, however many games, maybe more than that, that they just kept losing in Pittsburgh. And granted, the Atlanta Thrashers had a, had a number of years where they were not very competitive, and the Winnipeg Jets also had a number of years where they're not were not very competitive early on. Uh, after relocating, but still, you got to think after 10, 12, 14 years, I think it is now 14 years that they would have won at least once, but hey, it is what it is, and some of those weird stats uh, are fun to listen to. So let's break down these first few games. Uh, The New York Rangers picking up the 6-4 win in that first game. That was so disappointing because I was able to watch that one from start to finish. I was so hyped up for the start of the season, thought, okay, here we go. Let's see if the Jets' defense can get it done but they just couldn't. I was really impressed, actually, for most of the game because the Jets kept having pressure. They kept being on the New York Rangers. I thought the Jets deserved a better fate than they got in game number one. Yeah, I would agree, and a lot of people thought Hellebuck wasn't quite up to the task in in that game, and um, that's probably one of the reasons why they lost. But overall, I think the Jets played well, uh, out-shooting, out-chancing the Rangers. So if you're going to play like that, you're going to win more often than not, and I think that's kind of the recipe the Jets want to use going forward. I was kind of disappointed that Jacob Truba scored and his team won. It kind of sucked. Any feelings for like that for you? Yeah, it's just interesting seeing him and Brendan Lemieux both uh, against... Um, playing against the Jets, and it's just it's been a weird, very weird road trip. The Jets also seeing Brandon Tenev, so three of their key pieces that they lost. Maybe Brandon Lee wasn't a key piece, but three pieces from last year playing those guys so early on, just a different kind of atmosphere uh, playing against those guys. But honestly, I didn't think too much of it. Yeah, Jacob Truba might be having an increased role now in New York, and we know he will be. Um, but honestly, it, it, what's done is done, and you can't really dwell on it. Brandon Lemieux is kind of a frustrating player to watch because he would kind of be like punching our guys, getting under their skin. And then he took that bad penalty and I laughed to myself. Ha, we don't have to deal with this problem anymore. So after the Rangers, the Jets had to play the Devils, and that was actually a back-to-back, kind of a weird quirk in the schedule. The first two games having to play back-to-back, a little bit odd, but it is what it is. And and the Jets playing against New Jersey, they just came out flat and they got scored on and scored on and scored on. But... You, you play the full game for a reason, and the Jets showed exactly that. Uh, scoring a goal late in the second after being down 4 nothing, rallied in the third, three straight goals, bring it to overtime, bring it to a shootout. Blake Wheeler wins it. Just such a 
interesting game and just such a great way for the Jets in, a, in the second half of a back-to-back to somehow get it done. I loved his celebration as he kind of kind of took off the helmet after scoring that shootout goal. Does this game give you more confidence that they have the ability to come back, or does it give you less confidence because they gave up a big lead early? I think it's under the more confidence because, in my opinion, and I mean this is a huge recency bias type of thing, uh, but the thing that happens last is the thing you remember, right? So getting scored on four times in a row and playing terrible, yeah, that sucks. But you know what everybody's going to remember from that game? They're going to remember scoring three straight goals in the third period to come back and tie it. Nobody's going to remember the the terrible first half of the game. That's just kind of how it works, and we saw that last year with the Jets. They play really good all game. Nobody would remember that. They would remember the goal they gave up with a minute left to lose. And we see that that bias all the time where we remember the things near the end more than we look to the things that happened at the start of the game. Yeah, and that's where when you look at the underlying stats, that gives you a better uh, idea of how the game went. And so when you look at the game, Islanders, Jets, a 4-1 on Sunday. They go right back to having, and I think that was, a correct me if I'm wrong, a really lousy second period. And that's something the Jets talked about was those changes, and they thought that they'd kind of fixed some of that Clearly not so much. And then the game last night, the Jets turned it around a completely different team. A lot of people were down on the Jets being down in the se- in the season so far at 1-2. and two. But they came to play last night. Yes, Pittsburgh didn't have Malkin. But you looked at the veteran defense for the Penguins, the youngsters for the Winnipeg Jets. I thought it was a really good all-around game last night from Winnipeg. Yeah, I totally agree. Going back to the Islanders game, that's the game where Josh Morrissey uh, left after warm-up with an upper body injury. Uh, so Carl Dahlstrom comes into the game. He has not practiced with the team. He has not played with the team. He hasn't even warmed up with the team. He just throws on his gear and there you go, right to the fire against the Islanders. <laughs> not an ideal situation for a player who doesn't even know his teammates, let alone systems, practices. It doesn't even get to warm up. So that's a really tough spot for him to be in. Uh, Morrissey, projected to be back against Pittsburgh, actually wasn't held out as a precautionary detail. Uh, Dmitry Kulikov also taken out um, of the game. He left um, left the city. Uh, he actually had a had a kid. He had a baby girl. So congrats to Dmitry Kulikov. So he was out for other reasons entirely, but that left the, the defense pretty thin, uh, like you said. So Dahlstrom getting in another game. Uh, Sammy Niku getting called up from the Moose. He's obviously going to be here to stay. But yeah, everybody just kind of banded together and did what they needed to against the Penguins. So that's what we're going to get to next. We're going to look at these two players uh, individually, and we're not going to go through the entire team, but we're going to look at some players who have stood out. Maybe we're going to look at the studs and duds in the next segment. All right, so for segment number two, let's start with the positive side of things. Uh, Segment two, we're going to call studs and duds. Uh, Who was a stud for you, Kyle, through the first four games? Yeah, there are definitely some interesting names cropping up here, uh, some usual names as well. So I think number one would probably go to Patrick Laine. If you look through the first four games, uh, he's right near the top of the team uh, for points-wise. He had a massive three-assist night against the Penguins. He only has one goal so, so far, uh, but with plenty of assists, he's kind of picking up the slack in other areas. And I think the biggest thing for Liney, we said it all along, if he can grow his game into a full, well-rounded uh, game, adding in a little bit of defense, adding in the all-around effort, uh, he can be a phenomenal player. And I think we're starting to see that uh, a remnants of it happened last year in the playoffs. Well, Line has been out in full force since game one. He's been excellent playing 200-foot hockey, exactly what you want 
in a in a top line superstar like he is. Do you think it's the incentive of a new contract? Do you think it's just that he realized last year in the playoffs? Do you think it's coach talking to him? What do you think it is? Uh, it could be a combination of all of them. One thing I found interesting is that he started on the second line, actually moved up to the top line with Shifley and Wheeler. Uh, I believe that was in the second game or the third game. Um, and he actually scored his goal the second or the first shift after moving up to play with Shifley and Wheeler. Uh, and then he also f- followed that up with his three assist night Pittsburgh. So I think it's also getting that opportunity playing with Shifley and Wheeler. And because that's what he not so much demanded, but that's what he was talking about in the offseason, one of his ice time issues. Now that he's got that opportunity, I think he wants to prove to everybody that he can and he deserves to play with those guys. Well, he's definitely been impressing me. When I watched the last game against Pittsburgh, even in the first one, uh, I thought he looked pretty good. But last night, he won a puck battle along the wall. He didn't. It seemed like he didn't have as many issues getting out of the zone. He was in on the forecheck, throwing the body around. Like, he's a big guy. He can do that. And he, he separated his man from the puck, which led to one of the goals last night is where he got one of his assists. And I was like, that's the kind of play we want for Patrick Laine. Yes. Yes, he can get the shot off when you need it on the power play or wherever, but getting in on the forecheck, taking advantage of those opportunities, he has good stick awareness, whether he's picking passes out of the air. I really liked as well what I saw from Patrick Laine. Where I want to go next is to Nick Ehlers, a hot start to the season. He looked good against the New York Rangers, playing on the top line with Shifley and Wheeler, even away playing with Kyle Connor. He got that goal last night, uh, the only forward to score against Pittsburgh. And we kind of mentioned last week in the podcast where we were talking about players we were hoping going to take this next step, going to be a breakout season for them. I picked Nick Ehlers. I'm pretty confident in my pick after the first week. What do you think of him? Yeah, I totally agree. The first game, the thing that stuck out to me was just how fast he is. And a lot of people kind of for, forget that, that he just has just this blazing speed. We haven't seen it as much maybe last year, but I remember in his first years in the league, he would wind up behind his own net and he essentially would just do an end-to-end rush by himself, uh, skating past so many people in the process. Just such a fun dynamic player to watch. Three assists in the opener, like you said, scoring a goal against Pittsburgh. He's been excellent. Um, even if he got, even though he got moved down to the second line with Cop and Connor, I think it's still a good line for him. Uh, Connor with that speed as well. I think they're working fairly well together. Uh, Connor generating a ton of scoring chances, not really putting the puck in, but at least getting those chances. So I think overall, yeah, a really good start to the season for Nikolai Ehlers. Okay, one other one we wanted to mention through the first four games, Vili Hainala getting his first goal. I thought Sammy Niku looked good in the last game. Uh, Pionk has had flashes where he looks okay. He's a pretty good skater, and so then you, you kind of notice him. Hainala is a guy you don't notice a lot on the ice, but all in all, pretty solid. He's going to make some mistakes, and I've seen a few here and there. He's not going to win a ton of uh, positioning battles along the boards, but he was a player I was really trying to focus on when I was watching last night, and I thought he did pretty well. You can't tell how old he is. No, I totally agree. He does a lot of things right, and... Uh, he's just been smashing records essentially since he started um, playing just a week ago. Uh, not even really projected to make the team out of training camp, but such a great preseason. It makes the team. Uh, he was the first player in the draft class to register a point with an assist, and now he's the first player in the draft class to register a goal. He's actually the first player born in the 2000s to score a goal in the NHL. How crazy is that? Uh, so he's just setting all these kinds of records. Uh, Capo Caco, Jack Hughes are taking a back seat to Vili Hainala. He's been by far the most dynamic rookie so far to start the season. Well, and he's playing over 20 minutes a night. He's a big part of this team. 
I would definitely not have said that midsummer or at the draft that Vili Hainala was going to be one of the biggest storylines to start the NHL season. I think right now, the way he's played and the way our defense looks on the back end, he's probably going to stick around past the nine games. Yeah, I would totally agree. The only thing that does concern me is that he is a smaller guy, like you mentioned. He's not going to be winning tons of physical battles, and the the physical nature of the NHL will take its toll eventually. Will that matter now? Probably not. Will it matter in game 50, 60, 70? Might be a little bit more of a factor uh, for, for a smaller kid who's only 18 years old, has never played a season more than about 30 or 40 games. Uh, not like they do in Europe. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I'm assuming the Jets are going to keep him because at this point you have to, but how's he going to look in in a couple months down the road? And I think that's going to be the interesting thing. Maybe they end up in games 30, 40, 50, giving him a couple days rest or a couple games off just to preserve him a little bit more. But it's going to be really interesting to watch his development because like, like you said, no, he wasn't on anybody's radar three months ago. So with this development, this crazy curve that he's had in the last three months what's he going to do in another three months or in in another six months it's just going to be really fun to watch all season long so those are the studs those are some of the players that stood out for us who are some of the duds for you and there's there's a few that you could look at the overall defense for the Winnipeg Jets is still suspect. I was looking at the roster last night for the Pittsburgh Penguins, or when you looked against Pittsburgh Penguins. The Jets defensemen, the amount of experience on the blue line, they had no players in the lineup last night that were regulars on the team last year. And I read the list of defensemen off to my wife, uh, Dahlstrom, Niku, Poolman, Pionk, Beteto, and uh, Hanala, and I just go through this list, and she knew like nobody on that list. Like these are nobodies in the NHL. When we look at other teams' rosters, we probably don't know their second and some of their second and third pairing defensemen. Teams are coming in, and Sidney Crosby is probably going to be have to be like, wait, who am I going up against? Like, <laughs> there's not a lot of experience, and some of these games didn't look good for the Winnipeg Jets. They're allowing rebounds in front of the net. The def- uh, the opposition are cleaning up those chances. The one thing I really like about the Jets this year is that it seems like the forwards are doing a really good job of coming back, helping out the defense, really playing overall team defense. That's what I really like this year so far. I've been at least seeing that. But some of these defense uh, haven't really been doing it for me. Your thoughts on that, Kyle? Yeah, I totally agree with you. And my first dud was going to be uh, the goaltending in general. And I think that goes hand in hand with the defense because honestly, I don't think the goaltending has been that bad to start the year. I just think the overall team defense hasn't been that great uh, to start the season. So you could blame Connor Hellebuck and you can blame Laurent Brassois for giving up 15 goals in the first couple games. But a lot of it was due to the lack of defense leaving guys open in front of the net. You take the Pittsburgh game, for example, Sidney Crosby, 30 seconds into the game left wide open in the crease without anybody even near him. And that's the only one that gets by Hellebuck all game. The rest of the game, Hellebuck was sensational. So I would say that the team defense leads to the goaltending, especially in the first three games. Um, the goaltending needed to be a little bit better. Um, so would you say team, what it is. would you say team defense as a whole or team defense in their own zone? 
Because I feel through the neutral zone, they were doing pretty well. The D was stepping up. The guys were coming back. In their own zone, I think the forwards are playing not too bad. But again, it's the guys in front of the net who are left open, which are generally the responsibilities of the defense. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's not far off. And and the rest of it wasn't too bad. But yeah, once it gets into their own zone, there's a few bad turnovers uh, that led to goals and and just things like that. in the zone is definitely a little bit more of a struggle than, than through the rest of the, the rest of the ice because they're all good skaters. They're not the biggest guys, but they're all decent skaters. So through through the neutral zone and retrieving the puck is not too bad. Uh, but it's just what do you do when you get that puck trying to get back out of your zone and then defending in the zone is kind of the problem. I saw an article on Jets Nation where Connor Hellebuck made some comments after the first game where he lost and he talked about liking his game. What do you make of those comments? And he's always good for a good interview. But what do you think of some of those comments that he made I mean it's just a goalie that's trying to put a spin on the positive I would say he's always been kind of an interesting interview so I wouldn't put too much stock into what he actually is saying because he's might not be thinking what he's saying but um, honestly I'm not sure he's he's wrong because he, he essentially said I would play the game the same way uh, looking back and if you look back at a lot of those goals yeah, he he probably couldn't play it the same way, and and if the if the shot goes a different, slightly different direction or bounces off a different guy's foot, he's probably stopping a few of those. So this is just an interesting kind of quirk. I don't put too much stock into it at all. No, I'm not really worried about it either. Uh, one player who hasn't really jumped off the page for me, he's kind of been a dud, is Anthony Batetto. Uh, when you take a look at all the defensemen who've come in, they've all been making mistakes. Pionk, sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? And then the next time I'm excited with the way he's been playing. He's kind of back and forth for me. Batetto's one of those guys for me. He's probably the first one out of the lineup when Morrissey comes back and probably when Kulikov comes back. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think the third pairing, at least it was the third pairing of Potato and Pullman, just struggled a little bit more than the rest, uh, just getting up to speed, and they just weren't making their decisions quick enough, and and it was they were losing some battles and, and that sort of thing. But uh, I wouldn't worry too much, because like you said, once everybody comes back, and once Bull U comes back as well, he'll help the defense. I think we'll see Potato probably be um, getting into the press box type role, so things will get better for the team. It's just they're in a really tough pinch right now. Now, when you take a look at the bottom two lines, uh, when, when I was watching the game last night against Pittsburgh, when the top two lines were out on the ice, I noticed. I thought they looked good. They were getting chances. They were dominating. Lowry's line, I was occasionally, you know them on the four check, but it didn't seem like they could get the same kind of pressure that Lowry's line was getting last year when he had different wingers. He was playing last night with Bork and Latestu. I liked the game of Appleton. I thought he looked not bad last night, and I like uh, Appleton in the lineup. Uh, but what do you think uh, up front as far as the bottom six are concerned? Yeah, I actually really like the fourth line in general with uh, the current one being Perot, Roslevic, and Appleton. I think they've been really good together. They can probably outskate a lot of other fourth lines in the league, and I think that's going to be a good thing going forward throughout the season. The one issue for me is that third line, uh, we know Adam Lowry is, is a possession monster. He's done it for a number of years, driving possession, great defensive play, um, doing all the little things right. Looking at his numbers with Latestu and Bork have not been the same compared to prior years. And the one thing that's changed is obviously the line made. So I think that's one area of concern uh, going forward is those two guys. 
I would assume that Latestu is the guy coming out of the lineup when Little comes back uh, from injury. So I would assume that if you like your top six, which I think the Jets do, you can easily put Little on that third line and have a Little, Lowry, uh, Bork third line. And I think just that one change would make a massive difference to the bottom six. Okay, so for the last few segments, we've kind of the first few games, our thoughts, what we've liked, what we haven't liked. But now we need to look ahead. Going forward, what do you think the Winnipeg Jets should do? We see Line A, Shifley, Wheeler, Connor Kopp, Ehlers, Perot, Rozovic, Appleton, Bork, Lowry, Latestu. On the side, Pionk, Dahlstrom, Hanela, Pullman, Batetto, Niku. What do you think about this lineup? What do you want to change? What do you want to different? Well, one thing I would like to see is David Gustafson getting a game just to see how he looks uh, in the NHL. Hasn't played a, a, a regular season game yet, just to, just for a different look. Uh, beyond that, I think you're pretty much running with your team at the moment um, when Josh Morrissey and Dmitry Kulikov come back, which should be uh, by the time the Jets play their home opener against Minnesota. But then I think you run that the defense, you run the, those forwards for the time being, and then I think you treat Nathan Beaulieu as an extra guy coming back um, to bump out one of the defenders, um, probably Potato at that point, or Pullman, one of those guys, he's probably going to be bumping out. Uh, and then I think Brian Little, like I mentioned earlier, bumping out Latestu, and I think that's probably going to be your lineup for most of the season. I like that, the Little with the Lowry combination, because they've looked not bad when they were together last year. I think that definitely could have uh, some positive benefits. I wouldn't even mind, then, if you're going to shake things up a little bit, if you're going to bring Little back in, play him with Lowry, and then maybe even move Perot to that line. I think Perot, Lowry, and Little could be a really solid line. And then if Roslevic and Appleton are already together still, put them either with Bork on the wing or maybe give Gustafson a chance. I like that that right now I'm fine with the top six the way it is I don't think you need to move anybody from the bottom six to the top six but it really uh, but if little comes back playing with Lowry and Perot I think that would be give you a really good top nine and then some potential on that fourth line uh, defense I'm right there with you obviously uh, Morrissey comes right back in I would take Potato out first Kulikov, when he comes back, probably take out Dahlstrom and then keep Pullman, but that's just my two cents. I think there's still uh, a few combinations. I don't really feel like there's any pairing that's uh, locked in yet at this point. And then as far as goaltending goes, Laurent Brassois didn't do that much for me that he needs to be getting regular starts for Hellebuck. I think Hellebuck still needs to be playing a regular, uh, regular shift right now as far as that goes. Yeah, I agree with that. As, as far as the goaltending goes, I would think that Brassois gets more games than we saw him play last year. I think Hellebuck, uh, I, I wrote about it briefly uh, last week, but I think Hellebuck plays better when he's being pushed with a guy behind him. Uh, we didn't see that so much last year. We saw that a lot two years ago um, when he started as a backup and took over for Mason a few weeks into the season. But I think Hellebuck plays better when he's pushed to be better. And I think we saw that uh, after having a couple having one bad game, uh, he didn't get to start for two straight games. Kind of an interesting quirk by Paul Maurice, uh, but then coming back against Pittsburgh, he was excellent. So I, I like to see that going forward, a little bit more of a timeshare, uh, just so that 
nobody gets complacent uh, in the crease. Now, taking a look at the numbers from Corsica Hockey, they give each player a player rating, and then they kind of rank them against all the players from the rest of the league. Uh, no surprise, uh, Shifley is 17th, so he's in the top half, or I guess technically in the bottom half, but he's kind of right in the middle of all centers in the NHL. Blake Wheeler is the 20th right wing. Ehlers is the 24th right wing. Kyle Connor the 21st left wing. And so the Terrier, Earth, the Terriers, the Jets have four players uh, kind of near the top as far as first-line production is concerned. And then Patrick Laine is the 45th left wing. Andrew Cobb, 119. And then it kind of really goes down there. The numbers really drop off for the bottom two lines. And the defense, other than Vili Hanela's numbers, the defense uh, looking kind of soft as well without Morrissey and Kulikov in the lineup. Is there anything else you wanted to add today, Kyle? No, I think we covered pretty much everything from the first week. Yeah, so those are some potential changes and things we wouldn't mind seeing. The Winnipeg Jets have a, their first home game against the Minnesota Wild. Then they go right back out on the road against the Blackhawks. And then a few home games in a row. Pittsburgh, Arizona, Islanders. But we'll get to some of that on the next podcast next week. If you have anything you want us to talk about, hit us up on uh, Twitter at Jets and Podcast. You can check out all of our stuff on JetsNation.ca. And you can find Kyle's articles there as well. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at jetsnation.ca.